Hey, this is Brian Will coming at you on the show today with Jason Duncan, the real Jason Duncan on the Root of All Success podcast. Had a great time today. You guys got to listen to this one. It'll burn it up. Welcome to the Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Welcome back to another episode. I am the real Jason Duncan. I've got Brian Will on the show today. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, who's Brian Will? Well, that's why you listen to the show, because I didn't know who Brian Will was 24, 48 hours ago. But I was a guest on his show, The Dropout Multimillionaire, just yesterday. And now he's a guest on my show. And this guy and I have so much in common. It's really freaky and it's weird. But you're going to hear a lot of this overlap in his background and my background. But let me tell you a little bit about who he is, because it's a guy you're going to want to follow, a guy you're going to want to look up and uh, learn some stuff from. So he's a best-selling author, he's a serial entrepreneur, and he's an expert in sales management and consulting. He's created seven successful companies across multiple different industries. He's known for his ability to kind of turn things around. He's going to tell a story, actually, uh, where a company called him and said, hey, we're losing a million dollars a year. Can you come help? And he had never done that before. And they're they pay him a lot of money to come do it. And he's going to tell you that story. So this is what he's really, really good at. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal and USA Today for his book, The Dropout Multimillionaire. So we're going to have a great conversation today. So please help help me welcome Brian Will to the root of all success. Hey, Brian, welcome to the root of all success, my man. Jason, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, well, we uh, we had a great show on your show yesterday. So let's talk a little bit about your show because podcasters, our podcast listeners listen to podcasts. So tell everybody about the Dropout Multimillionaire. I was a guest on your show. The recording was yesterday. Probably won't come out for a while, but tell us a little bit about your show first. Yeah, so the show is based on my books. I wrote a book uh, about a year and a half ago called The Dropout Multimillionaire, and it's really a story. It's a, it's a business book about um it, the subtitle is 37 Lessons and How to Succeed in Business with No Money, No Education, and No Clue. And it's really my story, which is coming from nowhere, building companies that turned into two venture capital exits, one private equity exit. Uh, I currently have three companies I own today. Um, so it's really, it's it's more soft skills in business building than it is hard skills, which I talk about a lot in the book. Um so after the book was out, it did really well. We hit the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller lists. And so we decided to create the podcast. And the podcast is, you know, in different interviews with different people, as well as teachings on what I call these 37 lessons. So that's kind of where we, that's kind of where we came from. All right. So go check out the Dropout, the Dropout Multimillionaire and look for the show with yours truly, the real Jason Duncan. And uh, it's a good show. Brian does a good job. You know, if I didn't know any better, I would say he had been doing podcasting a lot longer based on just the questions and the conversation that we had yesterday. So good on you, Brian. I appreciate that. Doing good out of the gate. 
Um, so let's talk about this. So you're a successful, uh, you know, dropout multimillionaire guy, bunch of companies under your belt, got a couple that you're still doing now. You have a, you've had a private equity exit. You've had a VC exit. Um, so let's go back to the beginning, man. When did you start your life as an entrepreneur? Was it as a kid or did you see it happen as an adult? No, I, I had joined the military and I uh, got off active duty and was trying to get a job. I was in the National Guard. I did both the Air Force and the Army. I did eight years, four in each. Tried to get a job. I did different odd jobs. Couldn't hold a job. Understanding that my background, I failed out of high school my junior year. Managed to graduate, but with a 1.2 GPA. So I had no real education. I had no discernible job skills. And after getting fired from about four or five jobs, I, I was working for a landscaping company. And I literally thought, anybody can landscape, right? Anybody can mow grass and dig holes. So why don't I start my own business? I have a terrible time working for people. I might as well work for myself. So that was the first company I started. We built that into seven franchises around the Atlanta area before the entire thing collapsed. And I learned an enormous number of lessons and then went on and started building more companies and learning along the way. So that was my, that was my initial company. So right out of high school or college? You I say? was 20. So I got out of high school in the military, got out of the mil got out of active duty when I was 20, uh, did one year of college, tried to get in because back then you could get in the college with, if you've been in the military, they'd let you in college. So I tried it. I lasted two semesters. I dropped out and then tried to hold jobs for another year. Couldn't. So that's when I started my first company, Diamond Landscape. So, so you're doing the landscaping thing and you, fr did you say you franchise it? Is that what you said? I did. I, I was, I was rolling along and, and I had built a, a business that had a really good product and we had a really good marketing system behind it. And so I was talking to this guy and I said, Hey, I might want to sell my business. I'm tired of it. By the way, I hated landscaping every single day for 10 years. Um, and he said, well, why would you sell it? Why not franchise it? And I said, I, I don't know anything about franchising. And he said, well, I do. And I'll charge you X number of dollars to help you franchise your company. And I'm, and I'm like, how about you just become a partner and do it for free? And he said, okay. So he came a 25% partner, did all the paperwork, set the whole thing up. We franchise a company. Unfortunately, we used the wrong lawyer who put in competing clauses and all kinds of issues. And after we'd sold seven franchises, one of them decided to sue us. And then when one sued us, they all figured out they could stop paying us. And then they all stopped paying me and the entire thing collapsed. My world crumbled around me at 29 years old. Oh my gosh, dude, that sucks. Pick the right partner and watch your back is the message there. So uh, do you, do you attribute that to, obviously it all comes back to you. It's always your fault. I mean, we always have to take responsibility for ourselves. I think you would say that, but, but did it come back to the partner was the bad choice or it was the lawyer and the partner was just innocent bystander? What happened? No, it's me. Like, and I would imagine in your businesses and we talked yesterday, you've had some failures. Every time I fail, if I have a magic superpower, it's learning, right? So I learn from my failures. One of the things I learned there was you need to understand some certain things within contracts and legal language and how to interpret it and make sure you get somebody else to look over your back that you're doing things correctly. And I didn't do that back then. I can tell you today that's never happened again. Every mistake I've made never happened again. And today I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty good at reading contracts and I know where I'm going to get taken advantage of because I've been taken advantage of so many times. So was your, was your, I mean, I get, I get that you're taking responsibility, but was your partner that inept and just wasn't paying attention or did, or was the, or was the lawyer just that inept? I think the lawyer was inept. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the yeah. problem is when you're a small business and you're being sued, you know, the, the dirt little secret of being sued is nobody's going to win. 
it's going to cost you just as much money to fight it as you're going to make or lose. And at the end of the day, you have to decide if you might as well just take your lumps now or you want to spend a bunch of money. I literally had a judge tell me once, look, this lawsuit's going nowhere. You're not going to get anything. What are you even doing here? I said, I'm here out of principle. And he goes, principle costs money, son. <laughs> this might not be the best use of yours. Yeah. Well, the judge was uh, kind <laughs> because I think a lot of people in our position, I've got a, I've got a business deal now where uh, a very, very large company that rhymes with Schmamazon <laughs> has, uh, has, has uh, essentially stolen a lot of money from me. And, and there's no way I can get, I can't get back to it. I, I've tried and tried and tried. And I've had people, oh, just, you need to get a lawyer. Yeah. Well, like, no, you can't sue Amazon. Beat these guys, no. like you're not going to win. They're bullies. They're, they're, I didn't think they were when I started out, but that's what they are. I mean, their notice to me was this is uh, our final decision and we are not likely to answer any more questions. Yeah. Like that's it. I, that's their decision. Okay. Well, how do you fight that? Yeah. You, you can't. Cause every time you call the 800 number, you get some person in some other part of the world who doesn't understand anything about anything and barely can speak English. You're not going to get to the bottom of it. So sometimes as he said, Going for principal costs a lot of money, and I'm not willing to throw good money after bad. Yeah, I've got stories like that, just the same exact stories. You and I are like, I'm telling you, after looking at your stuff, we track. <laughs> well, I did, too, start a, uh, a lawnmower company and sold it, but uh, I did not try to franchise it. And uh, so, therefore, I guess I was more successful in the lawn business. Than you. <laughs> <laughs> you probably made a lot more money than I did, though. <laughs> for a short time. I like to say it went really well until it didn't. Yeah. Well, I've got a, I've got one of my clients that's a part of my mastermind. He, he wants to, he wants to franchise his business. And I said, okay, you know, we can do, we can, we can talk about that. That's not my expertise. Mm -hmm. but we could talk about that. And I know some lawyers in the space that do franchising. And so I'm trying to slow walk him into that because I think it's a good idea in the business that he's in. I don't want to say it cause I'm going to give it away. Sure. Like the business that he's in, that particular industry is franchisable and it's easy to run in multiple locations. Can I, can I give so, you my, my, my 30 seconds on franchising? Yeah, and I love yeah. franchising. I speak at franchises. Good franchises are invaluable and they give you things that you can't do as an individual. But if you're going to franchise your company, you need to look at the difference between franchising and licensing. Franchising costs a lot of money. There's a lot of legal stuff. There's a lot of accounting. You have to do a lot of auditing work with CPA firms. And if you don't grow your franchise big enough to cover your fixed over overhead costs, and if you don't grow your franchise big enough that your franchisees don't have control over you, that's where you get in trouble. You look at any small franchise company with less than 10 units, they're controlled by their franchisees. They have no power. They think they do and legally they do. But just like we talked about, just because you have the legal right to do something doesn't mean you can effectively enforce it if all of your seven or eight franchisees decide they don't want to play ball with you, right? It becomes a dangerous game. So if you're going to franchise, in my opinion, you got to blow it up to scale so that you have power. Uh, or you should look at a licensing agreement, which gives you all the same financial benefits with all, without all the legalities involved in franchising. That's my two cents. Well, I'm going to take your two cents and cash that in for a dollar because I think that we should talk about this. I think there's some people listening right now, even though that wasn't the intent of the show today. If we could spend just five more minutes sure. on this idea between licensing and franchising, I think the listeners would. Well, I'm interested. Sure. If you like, what is the main difference between licensing and franchising besides what you've already said? So, if I license my brand to you, like like I got at a restaurant chain called Central City Tavern, I can license you the brand Central City Tavern and give you a set of guidelines that you have to follow, and then you have to pay me my percentage of whatever deal we set up. But it is a licensing deal of a brand name. 
If I franchise it, I have so many legalities I have to go through. I have to get CPA firms. I have to do auditing. I have to file the franchise paperwork. It's got to be nationwide. I've got to get national trademarks. I got to do all these things. And by the way, you got to repay for this stuff every single year, right? And, and if you don't, you become in non-compliance with franchise laws and your franchisees can instantly come after you and say, well, I'm not going to pay you anymore because you're not in compliance. You're, you're opening yourself up to a lot of issues from accounting and legal that you don't have in a licensing agreement. I can literally license you my name and still have some control over you without having to go through all that. It's a subtlety, but if you look at most franchises today that start out, they blow up to one, 200, 300 years. They go like that and they know they have to do it because if you get in an argument with one out of five franchises and then he talks to his buddy and now you've got two out of five, and, and by the way, in a franchise agreement, you have to list all of your franchisees and you have to list all their phone numbers and contact information so that anybody who wants to buy one can call them and ask if you're a good guy. Now, if three of your five or three of your seven are mad at you, you're not selling any more franchises because they're all going to call your guys and they're going to go, don't do business with this guy. He's, he's doing this and this and this, and suddenly nobody will buy your franchises anymore. And that's what we got into. I had seven and four more sold. But when the first guy got mad, then he got the second guy to jump in and they said, hey, we can sue this guy and not pay. I had three. When my four new, fran my four new potential franchises called, they were like, no, 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 we, we got a deal. We don't have to do this. And so I lost all my next four units and I ended up having to sell out to everybody and walk away. Licensing unit, I don't have to have that kind of disclosure. Well, why don't more people do licensing as opposed to doing franchising? Then? Why is it that you don't know about licensing? I think the franchise lobby is probably holding it back, huh? Well, it's just because people don't know. They just don't understand the concept of licensing. So talk to your lawyer who's an expert in franchising and licensing, tell him what you're trying to accomplish, and then make a decision. I had literally somebody two weeks ago, she said, I own a business in the dog food business. I want to open one in California. They want to do a franchise. I said, you're crazy. You want to have one franchise? They're never going to do what you say, and there's nothing you can do about it. So think about licensing instead, unless you're going to, you know, she said, well, I might do a third one. I'm like, mm -mm, bad idea. So with licensing, so if let's use that lady as an example. So she goes and open her dog food or dog store, pet supplies, whatever it is in California, and she licenses the the name sure. Amy's Pet Supplies. Yep. So she licenses the name. Do they have to abide by certain things, just like a franchise? Board, they do. Like where you get your stuff and all that crap. And if they don't, I just take away your license agreement, and now you can keep your store, but you can't use my brand, my name, my systems. Do they have to, now I would imagine with a franchise, you have to buy your materials through the franchise headquarters where licensing you wouldn't. That's only if you're big, like McDonald's can do that because they've got trucking systems. Subway can do that. But if you're a small franchise, no, we would give you, okay. we we gave you, you know, recommended vendors, but we can't, we, we could force you, but if you're not big enough, there's no point in doing that. I'm not going to open a franchise in California and then try to ship product all the way across the country from Atlanta. That doesn't make any sense. So what, uh, what'd you do next? So you lost your, you lost your, you know, your franchises with all your lawn care. What'd you yeah, do I went from seven offices down to, I called it me, a shovel and a truck. I, I sold everything I had. I had to sell my houses, my cars. I sold everything I had to pay my bills and landed up with $5,000, had to find a new house to live in, went out and found a guy that would lease purchase me a house with 5,000 down. I had my truck, a shovel and a, and a, and a truck, me and a truck and a shovel. And I went out and started doing landscaping by myself again. You know, the big dog right back down to the manual labor guy. And really? my buddy who was selling insurance at the time comes to me. And by the way, I had lost my health insurance because I couldn't pay the bill. At the same time, I found out my daughter 
had atrial septal defect, which is a hole in her heart. So now she has to have open heart surgery. I have no health insurance because I couldn't pay my bill, which was 130 bucks because I'd lost my company. Big lessons in there, by the way, huge lessons in business in that failure. Never, ever leave yourself exposed financially if something's going to go wrong, right? COVID, you know, COVID wiped out the weak. It thinned the herd. It did that because people that couldn't operate, didn't have enough power or backing or ability to survive a downtime, they all went under. And this is going to happen again if we have another downturn or recession. It's going to thin the herd again. I didn't. I've never made that mistake again, by the way. So my buddy comes over. He says, I'm going to sell you health insurance. And by the way, you should sell health insurance with me. And I'm like, dude, I've sold cars. I did Amway. I am not selling insurance. That reminds me of Groundhog Day and the guy that's trying to sell insurance to Bill Murray and he punches him in the face, right? <laughs> Ned, 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 nose Ned, right? That's so I'm thinking that's, I'm not going to do that. Well, he says, hey man, look at my big check. And I was like, whatever. A couple months comes by. He goes, look at my big check. This has went six months. And he says, look at my check. And I said, all right, that check's big. How do I sell insurance? He said, come with me on one appointment. He didn't tell me I had to get licensed. He didn't tell me I had to go through a training course. Get in, you know, ins- He just took me on one appointment and said, here's some leads, go sell insurance. And I'm like out there illegally selling insurance because I didn't know any better. But what I found out was that within six weeks, I was the number one producer in this agency. And I was out producing all 14 other guys, like combined. And I was like, well, crap, I can sell. I never knew that. And so I literally went on a, I was landscaping during the day and selling insurance at night. And I, one day I was standing in somebody's backyard talking to him about a landscaping project. And I folded my book up. I said, I have to go. I got in my truck. I called my wife. I said, I quit. She says, what do you mean? I said, I'm never landscaping again. I'm never mowing my own grass. I don't, I'm not going to own a shovel. I'm done. <laughs> I hated this for 10 years. I hated my failure. I hated everything about it. I'm done. She goes, what are we going to do? I said, I'm selling insurance. So I started an insurance agency. Now, I'm sorry I'm going to take all this time here, but real quickly, I am the epitome of what we call ambitiously lazy. Ambitiously lazy means I'm willing to work really hard for a short period of time so that I can slack off later and still make the money. It's not too different than the Exeter lifestyle, right? Yeah, there you go. It's ambitiously lazy. And so here I am selling insurance, and I'm back in the day, we had to go see people face-to-face, so I would call to get an appointment, drive out to their house. Half the time they wouldn't be there. If they were, I'd talk to them. The other half of the time they weren't qualified. Then I'd sell a policy. Then I'd come back home. <clears throat> then I'd do all the paperwork and I'd make some money. Along the way, I said, man, I'm killing time driving out to people's houses. Why don't I just sell them over the phone? So I started pitching them over the phone. Then I'd say, all I got to do is come out and get your signature. So I started doing that. Well, then while I was out getting signatures, I was missing phone calls because I was advertising in the Yellow Pages. So I said, hey, man, if I could get somebody to go out and pick up the signatures, I could stay home and sell. So I started doing, hired a guy named Andy. I was paying Andy 100 bucks a policy. So Andy's out running around, and after a while, a couple more months, I was like, if I could fire Andy, I'd make another $200 a day. How do I fire Andy? So I called the insurance carrier. I said, hey, would you let me do fax? By the way, fax was a new thing back then. This ought to tell you how old I am. And they were like, well, that's not really real. I said, no, fax is real. That you can, it's a legal signature. They said, we'll do an experiment with you. We'll let you do a fax signature and see how it does. Within six months, I was the largest agency in the country for Assurance Health. And I was doing it with three people in my office, two secretaries, and I was out producing MGAs with 500 agents in the street. We were killing it. This is 1999. The internet was popping up. eHealth, 
health, uh, Simply Health, and there was another one. The three online insurance agencies called me and they said, we hear that you are selling insurance and you're not going out to see people. We want to buy you. Here I am like 32 years old and I have a venture capital company wanting to buy me. I was like, okay, well, can I have stock options? If you remember back in late 90s, stock, everybody's making millions in stock options, right? Uh-huh. Like I, I started thumb.com and I made, I'm a multimillionaire in stock options. That's how dumb it was back then. So they buy me out. It was my first sale. I made $1 million. Now, Jason, that's when you learn that a million dollars is not very much money. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation and improve client trust, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the root of all success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B-B. I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored that they're our primary sponsor of the podcast, but they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting. You need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try dub. Plus you're going to get 50% off your first two months of dub. You can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. I love talking about this sponsor because it's oftentimes a lot of people talk about sponsors on their shows or have sponsors and they either don't use them or they might've used them once and they're not really in love with it. They just take their money. (laughs) And, And certainly there's nothing wrong with that, but this sponsor, this one of my sponsors of the podcast is story S T O R Y Y two Y's. Why? Because they're awesome. If you've ever wondered how these influencers do their Instagram reels and their TikToks and their YouTube shorts to look so amazing where they've got the zoom cuts and the pop-ups and the on-screen illustrations, whether it's cartoons or actual images or videos that get responses that people go, Ooh, I want to talk to that. If you want to know how people do that, that is exactly what story does. They take your videos and they make you look like an influencer. They make you become an influencer and they will post it for you. They'll write the captions. They'll add the relevant hashtags. They put it on the platforms that you care about the most. And after that content's posted, they take it even one step further to boost it to your past clients, your leads, or anyone that you want to target. And they even have someone log into your social media profile to engage with other people's posts to drive engagement on your profile. Story truly takes the headache away from doing social media content from start to finish. And they have a mission to help people nurture and cultivate their relationships by sharing your message digitally. And they even have an app that makes it easy to upload your content and track everywhere your video is at. And I've been using them for a long time. 
And I told him, I said, look, guys, I love what you're doing. I want to recommend you to everybody. You need to be a sponsor of my podcast. And so they're a co-sponsor of this podcast. And they're also the exclusive sponsor of my live webinar series, Entrepreneur Master Series, because they're that good. I tell everybody about them. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story to learn more. And that's therealjasonduncan.com slash story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Why are there two Y's? Because they're awesome. You'll get 10% off your first three months if you go to that link, therealjasonduncan.com slash story. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. You pay taxes. You pay like you you pay off. I paid my taxes. I paid my house off and I bought a car and I had like 50 grand left. So here I am a millionaire with $50,000 and no income. Like it's nothing. It's nothing. People always think, oh my God, he's a millionaire. Okay. He's got a house and a car. He's broke. So that was my first sale, but that's how I got involved in the venture capital world. And then we developed this next technology company that turned into uh connecture, which actually ended up going public and then went back private, which now is the backbone for medicare.com. So that was my original company. So wow. we then I, I left and I, this is a crazy story. started about a pizza place. Well, let me, before you talk about the pizza place, okay. let me ask a couple of questions. Go fight. So I too, another thing you and I do not have in common, I sold health and life insurance. See, the, all the good the guys 90s. came from there. Yeah, and and recently, truth, truth, I just got my life insurance license again because I send, I talk about life insurance yep. so much as a as a wealth building tool and protection, asset protection. I have so many people that call me about it. I had a the guy that I keep sending everybody to. He's like, dude, you have to get your license. Yeah, because you make a lot of money. Digitally. So I just so I just got my license. So little little uh, selfish plug here. If anybody's interested in, in properly structured whole life insurance to bank on yourself, ah, the you private bank. To, yeah, therealjasonduncan.com yeah. <laughs> slash bank on yourself, and I can actually help you with that. And it's the one one of the number one tools for the wealth you use to protect your wealth. Anyway, so you did health and life insurance. Yep. You built the number one agency. You sell out. You become a millionaire, but they took advantage of you. So yep. Let's just call it what it is. They saw you coming a million miles away and you had no idea what was going to happen. So once again, you get screwed by people who know better. Oh, it and, gets better. Uh, yeah, but now pizza place. What'd you do next? Well, let me back up real quick. So after they bought me out, we developed this platform. It was me and the CTO of this company. His name was Mark. And Mark comes to me and says, we're trying to sell this retail platform to sell insurance to consumers. And I said, Mark, we should sell this to the carriers. Instead of us trying to sell individual policies, let's sell the platform to a carrier and then let them have all their agents log on to it and buy insurance from them. Much like today, if you go to any health insurance or life insurance carrier, they have a website. This was our technology. So I went to the CEO, who's 27, and I said, hey, I want to build this platform. And he said, I'm not going to support you or give you any money, but if you want to try and sell it to a carrier, knock yourself out. So Mark and I and one biz dev girl, we took off and did three appointments in the next six weeks and sold $6 million worth of software, SaaS software that we hadn't even developed yet. I was selling blue freaking sky. I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Well, we sell the $6 million worth of software, and all of a sudden, I'm at my little cubicle one day. And all the entire VC team comes to the board of directors office. And by the way, when I wrote the business plan and did it, I put myself in as director of sales for the SaaS company. And I had gone out and sold all this software. I was the lead sales guy. They came in, they have a three hour meeting. They come out, they call me in and they said, Hey man, you've done a really good job developing this new sales platform. We're going to throw another 6 million in. We're going to change the name of the company. We're going to move to a SaaS product instead of a retail sales product. 
oh, we got to be honest with you. You don't have a college education and we can't really have you in the sales role. So we want you to go back to your cubicle and do your work. And we're going to hire somebody else to run this company and do sales for it. Golly. And I said, I literally that day, I walked back to my cubicle, picked up all my stuff, put my coat on, walked out the door and bought a pizza place. What what is what is with people in these college degrees? Even back then, I mean, I know the college degree was a big thing back then, but even today, like I, I was talking to somebody, I don't even remember who it was, but they said the similar situation. They had been proving themselves into a, in, in their role, and they they were rainmakers. But when that promotion came, oh, you don't have a college degree, yep. and so they and they lost their number one person because of some stupid. The college degree is worth nothing, man. It's a decoration on a piece of wall. Hey, when I got I got two college degrees right here hanging on the wall. That's all they're good for is me to look at and remember how much money I spent. When I built the next company, I ended up selling it to uh, a VC firm. It's called GetInsured.com today. They power about ten uh, state exchange health insurance exchanges under the ACA. I get bought out. I'm now going to to Silicon Valley once a month to meet with the venture capital guys. And I remember when they bought me out, we had this giant office in Atlanta and they were based in Silicon Valley. First thing they told me is you got, you built a great company. This is awesome. We appreciate what you've done, but gotta be honest with you. You don't have a college degree. We can't even put you on the website, let alone tell anybody that you're running our Atlanta office. I was like, okay, sounds good. That was the second time I got shut down with no college degree. Both my children have masters, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we talked about you talked about your son. Yeah, uh, that's pretty interesting what he's wanted to do too. But uh so so the where did the pizza place come in? What, what well, I bought here? it and it, it was a complete flop. Uh, I after 6 months I was, you know, when you're standing in the doorway of your pizza place and there's nobody inside, I was thinking, what am I doing? Let me go back to the insurance world, which is where I came from, and that's when I developed that company. Then we did an online yeah. lead gen which was called Monetize it. We sold it to a private equity firm. That was my big exit. But that's also where I learned to get a mentor. That was the company where I finally learned to get a mentor. So what, what happened when you got a mentor? How did life change? So and I told you I'd made the million and da, 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 and we were making a little bit of money. And we started this next company. It was prior to the second VC sale. And a buddy of mine who had made millions and millions and millions of dollars left his firm. They sold it. He wanted to start another internet marketing firm doing lead gen, the subprime and the insurance space. He comes to me and he says, listen, Give me equity in your company. I'll give you equity in mine. I'm going to start the internet company in the back. It's going to be huge. I'm going to throw in $500,000. This is him. And then we both owe the money back. So if it fails, you're going to have to pay me back too. I said, okay, sounds good. You've done really well, Steve. Nine months later, my CPA comes into the office, sits down across from my desk, and he says, you need to shut the internet company down. I said, why? He goes, they've already burned through the entire $500,000. they have generated zero revenue, and I mean zero. They're going to bankrupt you. And I was like freaking out because I don't have $500,000 to pay this guy back. I have a house and a car. So the next day I go home, I tell my wife, I'm freaking out. We got to shut this thing down. I don't want to do this anymore. The next day, my partner, Steve comes in, he's a senior partner. And he says, Hey man, we're going to invest another $66,000 to buy some more servers. And it's just going to go into the debt. So don't worry about it. And I said, Steve, like, these are my big eyes. Steve, we haven't made any money. He goes, Brian, it's going to work. Don't worry about it. I'm like, Steve, it's not working. We've made no money. If you'd make like 20 bucks, I could say you made 20 bucks. We've made nothing. This thing's dead. I'm not doing it. We can't do this. He said, Brian, it's going to work. But here's my deal. And by the way, my friend Steve, who's worth probably 20 man at the time, drives a pickup truck and wears gym shorts and a t-shirt every day. <laughs> you'd never know. He says, here's the deal. You give me my equity. I'll give you yours. 
you walk away, you owe me nothing. I want to be your friend. I don't want to have any, any money between us. So this is my offer to you. You can walk away today. And you said this to Steve. This was Steve telling me this. He oh, Steve Steve said, told Ryan, me. I will give you your equity. You give me mine. You don't owe me a dime. And we walk away as friends. Steve telling me this. And I'm sitting there looking at Steve. And that ping pong ball's like, this is my out. I'm out of 500,000 of debt. But Steve's a multimillionaire. I'm not. He knows what he's talking about. I've been taking my own advice. And I said, okay. I said, Steve, I'm in. I said, if I'm going down, I'm going down with you. So I'm in. And he goes, okay, good. I don't ever want to hear that conversation again. 30 days later, we hit our first offer on the internet. We went from 6 million to 32 million to 60 million in revenue, sold the company for $80 million 18 months later. Now, do you know what my life would be like if I had listened to me instead of Steve that day? Now, there were five partners. I made like 12 million in that deal. My life would be completely different. I would not be sitting here talking to you. I wouldn't be a consultant to billion dollar companies. I wouldn't have done anything I've done in my life. And it all came down to one decision. And that decision was to say, I'm in, I'm going to listen to you instead of me because you've had success and I haven't. And if I'm going down, I'm going down with a guy who knows what he's talking about. I have a tattoo today that says I'm in to remind me of that. And I told you yesterday, my mentor just passed away. He just passed away about three weeks ago. But he changed my life, my children's life, my grandchildren's life, created generational wealth for my family because of one decision. And I tell entrepreneurs all the time, you need to listen to somebody who has been there and done that and quit taking your own damn advice. Because your advi- who you are is who you are. Who you are got you where you are. And if where you are isn't where you want to be, then you need to find somebody who is where you want to be and you need to listen to them and not you. Check your ego and get a coach. That's my pitch. All right. That, that, so what we need to do is pull that out. So Clarice, that part right there, there's my editor. She needs to pull that part out. That's, that's your uh, mic drop moment from the, from the show today, Brian. That's really good. I think I'm going to title the show, quit taking your own damn advice. I, <laughs> I, I like that. Well, I think, I think one of the things that I teach my clients and, and my mentor taught this to me, of course, intuitively, we all know it. We just need someone else to tell it. It's like quit taking advice from those unqualified to give it. And sometimes yes. you're, the, you're the person that's unqualified to give it. But I tell you who's, who's a lot of times unqualified to give it, but we don't want to admit it is for us guys. It's our wives Mm -hmm. for the wives. It's your husband Mm -hmm. for for the kids. It's your parents, Mm -hmm. the parents, it's your Mm -hmm. kids. Like we listen to our, our family members because we trust them and we love them. And we know that they have our best interest in heart, but there's a difference between us as entrepreneurs and them as non-entrepreneurs and the way we see things and process things and the way we understand risk, they're not typically qualified to give that type of business advice. But then, as you've pointed out in this story, quit taking your own damn advice. Sometimes the things that we think are best are not, and we need some outside perspective. Mm-hmm. That's why a coach and a mentor is so vitally important. That's why I have a mastermind. That's why I'm a coach. That's why I'm part of a mastermind. That's yep. why I have a coach. I love, I love this. So now, now, Brian, you're at the point where you've sold, you, you've, you've sold this company. How many years ago was that that big exit? That big. Uh, we sold that one in '06, and then the insurance agency that I was running when I sold that when we sold in 08 to another venture capital firm. That's the one that's called Get Insured Today. So it was 06, 08. So I haven't had a job. I haven't had to get up. I haven't had an alarm clock in 16 years. 
So what do you do now? What keeps you busy? You know, after that, I started doing consulting. This is a great story. So I just sold a second company and I'm, I'm call my friend, Steve, cause he'd started another company. I said, Steve, I'm going to come back to work with you. And he said, I don't really have any jobs. And I said, I will work for free. I will sit at a desk right beside you. If you will teach me this internet stuff, because I was a part of the company, but I was running my insurance company while he was running the internet side. That's a good tip, by the way, I was willing to work for free just to get the education. And so I was in, I walked into the office one day and my phone rings and I pick it up and it was the chief sales officer of a multi-billion dollar insurance company. Her name was Laura. And Laura said, Hey, Brian, how are you? And I was like, Oh, Hey, Laura, why are you calling me? She said, listen, you know, you built this thing and you've sold it. And as an insurance carrier, we've built our own direct to consumer call center up in Minneapolis. And right now it's doing about $75 million in revenue, but it's losing a million a month. Will you come up and tell us what's wrong? And I was like, uh, sure. She goes, well, how much money do you want? I said, I have no idea. She goes, I tell you what, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars for four days. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be up there next week. And I got the phone. I walked into Steve's office, said, Steve, I just got a call. They offered me a hundred thousand dollars for four days. Now, I'm already a multimillionaire, let's be honest, but I had never been offered $100,000 just to go talk to somebody for four days. He goes, well, you're an industry expert. You sold two companies. That's the way it works. So I did that. We turned them around. They ended up paying me $750,000 over the course of that year to turn that. We turned it from a loser to the most profitable division that that company had. Then I got a call from another company and then another company, and I started doing this corporate consulting in sales and sales management in the direct to consumer space. So I did, I probably trained a thousand salespeople over a 10 year period. My teams have sold billions of dollars a year in insurance in the direct to consumer space. And then I start, I, I do what a lot of people do that make a lot of money. I thought I'm going to buy a bar cause that'd be fun. You know, like have my own cheers place. I'll be Sam Malone behind the bar. So I bought a bar, it lost money. So I bought four more cause that's what you do when you lose money. Down. And then I got rid of the first one and then then started making good money. And so that's how I got into the restaurant business. I have a small chain of restaurants now. And then I started another company that we sold to a call center out of India. And then I got into politics. So I sit on city council. I ran for election a year and a half ago. I got elected. Uh, so I do that now. And then I started doing consulting. So I've launched a podcast. I wrote the books, by the way. Uh, and now I'm launching my own mastermind. So I'm literally following your footsteps. I'm two years behind you, Jason. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got a lot more zeros in front, behind you than, than me, man. So congrats <laughs> on what you've built, man. It's just, this is phenomenal. What do you think the keys are to how you've unlocked success? What keys did you use to unlock all this great success in your life, Brian? So I consider myself to be an expert. And this is why I keep saying you and I are tracking. Like I've listened to your podcast. I've listened to your reels and you and I teach the exact same things, right? I, I believe that I am really good at building companies that don't need me, right? And there are certain things you need to understand if you're going to do that, which is you got to replace yourself in every role as your company grows. You got to be building blocks of lifestyle and income. You got to be willing to make less money in the short run so you can make more money in the long run. And this is what I've done. So when I build companies, I build companies with people that I allow to, uh, that I train, that I allow to fail so that they can learn to be the person they need to be so that they can replace me in different aspects of the company, right? Nobody's ever going to be as good as you at running your company, but you can Put people in there that can do a good enough job that you can buy your time back, exit without exiting. I mean, I'm telling you, 
Um, and that's what I've done. Like my restaurant chain, I've got restaurants I don't even go to. I've got people that run them. This cell phone right here, I have apps on here. I can run my entire company from this cell phone in a ski lift. I like to joke that I'll run down, I'll get in the ski lift, look at my phone, answer a question, get back on the ski lift and go back up. I've been in Park City, this is day 32, right? I'm not in Atlanta. And then I bought real estate and investments and all kinds of other stuff. But uh, there are certain things you need to understand in building a business and building and solidifying business and growing a business and then building it so that you can exit it. Yeah. So one, I think one of the key takeaways there, Brian, is that, you know, we've got to learn to get ourselves out of the weeds of daily operations. Yep. Um, the law of the architect, which teaches as a universal law that we, as the architect of the business, the founder of the business, it is our role to set the vision, communicate the vision and build the asset. That's it. Anything beyond that, we should be delegated or eliminated. You can't do everything. And that makes your company more valuable. Yes. It makes your life more livable. And that's exactly what I teach. Of course, you've been following me. My Exit Without Exiting book just came out. I mean, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. And I love that you say that is your key to success is getting the hell out of the way. Like, quit taking your own damn advice. Mm -hmm. Get the hell out of the way. It's time to let the company grow up and be its own thing. And that provides you money long term. Now, let me ask you a, a, another question kind of on that in that same similar vein. How, do, how does Brian Will define that word success? This is a this is a good question, and I'm going to give you a couple of, of of good answers in my opinion. Success to me is, as I just said, I haven't had an alarm clock in 16 years. Success to me is being able to own a company, run it, and make the money without having to go there and be there. I have an office. I actually own the entire building, but we have an office within the building. I don't even have an office in my own office. Don't have a desk. When if I do show up, I have to sit in the conference room because there's no place for me to sit down. Right. Success, and this is the favorite part of my life, is that I can go anywhere I want and do what I want and still run my companies because I have set processes and systems in place that allow me to be at 30,000 feet in uh, looking down on the organization and providing strategic guidance. That's what I do. So in the business, to me, that's success. In life, and this was what my first mentor taught me when he was worth millions and I wasn't, I said, Steve, what's it like being a millionaire? And he said, Brian, when I go to a restaurant, I don't look at the menu prices. If I go to a sports game or a theater, I get the best seats in the house. I don't worry about what things cost. I don't need to have a Ferrari. I don't need to have, you know, uh, a Bugatti. I don't need to have a $20 million house. I do what I want, when I want, where I want, and I never worry about what it costs. Success to me is taking my kids over and walking the Great Wall of China for two weeks. Success to me is running with the bulls in Spain with my children. Success is being able to live the life and do the things that everybody says they're going to do, but they never do. And you go out and do it because you have the ability to do it because you've set systems up that allow you to do that. That's success to me. And you know, what's the ironic about this is that, is that if you analyze what people who make like middle-class people who make less money versus the people like what you just described, people like me and you, like which one of us is more focused on money? Which one works for money? Which one is money focused? Yeah. And it, it's the middle class. We're not like money works for us. Yep. We don't work for money. That's the difference. Now, let me ask you this. So based on that definition of success that you just gave, do you consider yourself to be a successful person? Successful? Yes. Have I achieved everything I'm capable of in life? No. And that's why I keep going. There's more things I want to do. I, to me, business is a hobby. It's what I do for fun. Helping people is my new hobby, building this mastermind. Look, you know this number, Jason, 70% of people that start a business are going to fail. They fail for the same reasons. 
And it's not the technical skills. As I like to say, and I always use Joe the plumber as an example. If Joe the plumber starts his business, Joe's business will not fail because Joe doesn't know how to plumb. Joe's business will fail because Joe doesn't know how to be a business owner. And that is 90% of failure. They don't know what they're doing. I tell people this all the time. If you've never run a successful business, you don't know what you're doing. And you need to find somebody who does to help you, or you're going to fall into that 70% statistic. That's just a fact. There's so many people out there. My new mission in life with the, with the dropout multimillionaire podcast and the force multiplier mastermind is to find those people that are struggling and help them not fall into the statistics. Love it, man. Well, I'm going to give you the last word as we, as we get ready to sign off. I want everybody to know that they can find Brian Will at brianwillmedia.com. You can follow him on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. You just look up The Dropout MM, which stands for multimillionaire. The Dropout MM on any of those platforms, you can find him. So, Brian, um, I want to give you the last word. Like, what, what advice would you give to the listeners, the entrepreneurs out there that are still struggling don't know. They haven't figured out the things that you figured out yet to become successful. What's your advice? All right. This is my favorite story that I end most podcasts with. Uh, what kind of phone do you have, Jason? I am a Google Pixel guy. So I have an iPhone, right? Most people have iPhones, I think. iPhone uh, is run by Apple. Apple computer is run by who? Do you know who the CEO of Apple is? Tim, Tim Cook. Cook. Tim Cook runs the largest company on planet Earth. One of the most profitable companies in the world. He's clearly a really, really, really smart guy. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Tim Cook has almost every major corporation, well, every major corporation, almost all middle-class corporations have what's called a board of directors. Now, a board of directors is a group of people from different industries that all come in and they meet once a quarter, much like they do with Apple. And so once a quarter, the board of directors comes in to meet with Tim Cook. Now, what do the board of directors do in your opinion? Well, they're supposed to direct the CEO in his role. Right. They give advice. So I like to yeah. say they all come in once a quarter and you've got all kinds of different personalities in there from chemical companies to Al Gore to higher education people. It's crazy the different, but none of them are, by the way, in computers and software. And they all come in. I like to think they sit at the big table in Apple and they look at their Jimmy John subs and they're cracking them open. They're like, all right, Tim, what's going on at Apple? And he goes, oh, my God, you know, Foxconn in China is a problem and we're having issues with getting the cell phone done. And we're having political issues over here and we're having, you know, unionization issues over there and the factory. And he tells them all his problems and they also, you know what, based on our experience, based on what we've done, based on everything we know, these are the suggestions we're giving you on what you need to do to guide Apple to move it forward. And after the meeting, they all go home and Tim takes all their suggestions suggestions and he applies them to Apple and he moves the company forward. Does that sound about right? <laughs> Probably a version of that. Okay. If Tim Cook needs people to help him make decisions in his business, what makes you as a young entrepreneur think you don't even need one person? Yeah. Get a coach. So true. Get a coach. So true. That's my final word. That is so true. Well, Brian, this has been a pleasure uh, having having you on my show today. It was fun being on your show yesterday. Maybe our shows will release about the same time. Right now, this one's scheduled to go out at the end of the month. Uh, maybe our shows will come out at the same time. So if you haven't listened to the Dropout Multimillionaire podcast, make sure you go check that out. Follow Brian Will at the Dropout MM on all the social platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that stuff. So, Brian... Thanks for being on the show today, man. Jason, it was friggin' awesome. I loved it. 
Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur about his story to success. And, uh, you know, like I said at the intro, you know, I didn't know who Brian was 48 hours ago. And now I, I found a, a cool dude, a friend, a colleague, somebody that I have a lot in common with. And, I, and I'm learning some stuff from him. And I hope that you're learning some stuff, too. I think what I what I heard him say is he called himself ambitiously lazy, which I, I find very interesting. I love I love that idea because I think that I'm probably like that, too. I, nobody would ever accuse me of being lazy. As a matter of fact, I've been accused of being the most laid back, ambitious person or laid back and driven person I ever met. So lazy is probably not the right word, but I get the sentiment. I understand. I want to build something. I want to put run hard and fast and then let it run on its own. Uh, we had some interesting conversation there at the beginning about franchising versus licensing. So if you're in a position where you're in not really sure what you want to do, reach out to Brian. Not that he's going to give you legal advice, but I think he's probably got some real life examples and uh, some 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 cautionary tales about whether you should franchise or license. And his advice on, to us and his his definition of success about not having an alarm clock. He and I we haven't talked about this either, but. I don't set an alarm clock either. You've heard me talk about that. And I love that part of my life. So we also have that in common, but not worrying about what it costs and just being able to, to do your life on your own terms. Isn't that what we all want? So thank you for listening to the show. Please make sure you've rated us and subscribed to the show. The root of all success just continues to rise in the ranks because of people like you listening to the show. So thank you for taking the time of listening. And if you haven't watched this on YouTube, go to youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan. Now, before I quit this show, I have one more announcement to make. This is my new book, Exit Without Exiting. It just came out early in March and it is now a number one international best-selling book. It is the Exit, Exit Without Exiting, How to Live the Exit Lifestyle Sooner Than You Ever Thought Possible. How do you sell your business or how do you exit your business without selling it? You see, so many people think that you can't live the exit lifestyle until you sell it. Well, in fact, that's not true. And, and Brian and I talked about it on the show today about the key to being successful in business is being able to get yourself out of the weeds. This book tells the story of Edward, a story of Cheryl, and a story of James, three fictional characters that I created to illustrate what it's like to live the exit lifestyle and also what it's like not to do it right. So thank you for listening to this show. As I hope that you'll tune in again next time when I talk with another very successful entrepreneur. But uh, until then, remember, I am the real Jason Duncan, and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at the real Jason Duncan. Are you an entrepreneur who feels trapped in the weeds of daily operations, not experiencing the freedom you thought you'd have as a business owner? Want to know the way out? Take Jason's free exit readiness assessment to see how close you are to getting ready to experience true freedom and success as an entrepreneur. Go to amireadytoexit.com today. That's amireadytoexit.com. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>